In Tokyo, Japan, in the year 1948, a man walked into a bank claiming to be a public health official to administer medicine to those inside. Twelve of the 16 individuals were killed by this medicine and the man walked away with a small sum of money. While someone was caught and convicted for this crime, there are many who believe that they got the wrong person. Today we discuss the strange and confusing Taking Incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another mystery here on Red Web. I am your resident mystery enthusiast, indulging in my own curiosities in the dark and twisted world that we live in. Trevor Collins joining me, reacting to this mystery with his gut instinct for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. Hello, thanks for having me. Every week. True. I, I was waiting for that to be a shock to you. You're like, it's very nice to be on here this week. I've been here? <laughs> Since when? <laughs> uh, Have you heard of this case? I have not. Like mm-hmm. 99.9% of the mysteries on this show. First thought, I got to take a damn trip to Japan, man. Yeah, it's that's a good, it's my, a good reminder. It's, it's a weird my, reminder, but I, yeah, it's on my bucket list. I got to get over it. Yeah, there. I mean, I, this is a, a gruesome, like, yeah, theft, murder. But, but on the um, lighter side, on Japan. the lighter side, Japan just yeah. is a great place to go be a tourist in. Go during cherry blossom season. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And I hear to bring an empty suitcase. Yes. So I can get a bunch of... All those cherry blossoms, bring them back. Of, all the cherry blossoms. <laughs> and I'll sprinkle it all over my anime stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, two, look, are you kidding me? Someone just walks into yep. a building and just says, I'm a health official, probably has just some, uh, it's a fake laminated badge, and then is able to just start administrating stuff to people. And you need like, this medicine, yeah. take it, and everyone goes, all right. I'd be like, hell no. Give me a number. I need to talk to your manager first. I need to talk to your boss. Or like, like. also, you can't force me to do it. You know what I mean? Right. I'll be like a kid. Like I'm going to be like like when I was three years old, my grandma's trying to get me to eat, and I wasn't. So I just sitting down on a little kid's table going, mm, 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 mm. I'm not going to take it. Mm, yeah. I'm not going to have it. But then she said, Console gaming is better, and you went, Hold on a minute, and then she shoved the food in your mouth. Um, Very big on PC gaming now. I'm gonna walk you through the incident because you're right. I, I feel the very same way, but the more you get into the details of this case, you start to understand the wild machinations behind this plan. And there's a few other like socio political elements behind the scenes as well that might apply some of the otherwise pressure to the people in the bank to maybe listen. Mm, interesting, yeah, is, there might yeah. be a more some historical during, context might be during a time where government was more strict and you had to listen to the government or there might have been like stuff in the news about like uh, some kind of uh, epidemic or flu or whatever it was mm. that people were more inclined to. You're and plucking on a few cords. I'm sure the person utilized like that time period yeah. and what was happening. Oh, yeah. I still ain't taking stuff from a stranger. Though. No. Yeah, I learned happening. that, you know, grade one, don't take nothing from a stranger. Oh. No. Unless it's Halloween. Unless anyway. they got a cool van. Right. They got a cool van? Never seen a van with no windows before. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> this is a show for adults. All right. So let me take you into the incident. I'm, I'm really curious to hear your reactions now from your gut instinct here. And then once the details start rolling out. So I'll take you back. January 26, 1948, just before the closing at the branch of Teikoku Ginko, or Imperial Bank in Shinamachi which is a suburb of Tokyo, Japan, there was a man that walked in and announced to the people of the bank that he was a public health official. Other sources say that he claimed to be a health inspector, but either way, the story unfolds. The man told the 16 people that he was sent by the general headquarters, Douglas MacArthur's office during the US-led occupation of Japan. So immediately, that's the backdrop we're talking about. And I admit, I don't know much about this particular moment in Japanese history, but otherwise, the US is occupying Japan, and with that, you have the general headquarters, which is what he's saying is his authority. Like, that, it's coming from on high, essentially. And so there's no room in these people's minds to disagree or to not comply. Mm. Yeah. So he claimed that he had to administer emergency medicine as there was an outbreak of dysentery in the area. And one of the sick people had actually visited the bank earlier that day. Dysentery, I'm sure we've all heard of this, but it's an infection of the intestines and it can spread through food and water and it can be very fatal. This disease was very common in Japan during this time 
as a result of the effects of World War II as they were still occupied by the United States again during this time. So now immediately you have authority meets a pressing matter, a pressing health concern. You've got a backdrop now for, okay, I, I might as well comply because fear is high. He appeared to be about 40 years old and he wore an armband of a municipal employee. Armbands have been worn in Japan to signify group memberships or leaders of groups. In this case, the man's was white with red text that said Tokyo. So upon entering, he gave the bank manager a business card. A few sources say that the card said Dr. Jiro Yamaguchi, but we cannot find any Japanese sources that confirmed the name listed on this business card. It was for posterity. That said, many sources say that the job title on the card was, quote, Ministry of Health and Welfare Department member, Doctor of Medicine. The man then took out a bottle from his bag using a pipette to sample the contents of this bottle and showed everybody in the bank how the medicine should be taken, quickly, without touching your teeth. He then demonstrated by drinking the liquid himself, after which he then used the pipette to administer the contents to everyone's teacups. Investigators believe that he may have tricked them into thinking he drank the medicine, because obviously this medicine, whatever it was, if you air quotes medicine, yeah, it was, was poison. It was yeah. yeah, it was fatal. They theorized that perhaps what he did in order to convince everybody was that he put an oil or some sort of lighter substance in the vial so that way when he reached in with the pipette, he could go a little shallower and draw from the fluid floating on top Whoa, of the poison. Yeah. That is... This man knows specific gravity. Very smart. Yeah. And so he puts on a show, drawing out the oil or whatever the material might have been, uses it, and it's harmless. Now, after a minute, he gave them all a second medicine. Soon thereafter, all of them fell unconscious. At which point, he then decided to take the bank by single-handed storm, and he walked out with about 160,000 yen and an uncashed check and walked out. Yeah, not a whole lot of money, it turns out. Yeah, how much does that translate to today? I mean, yeah. I you'd have to convert it to U.S. during that time and then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's in today's dollars, but according to Time Magazine, this was only about $180 in U.S. currency. There what? are Yeah. There are some other sources that claim it was upwards of $2,000 in U.S. currency at that time, which if you use an inflation calculator, I'm sure is, is not a, a meaningless amount, but given everything that went on. To like murder that many right. people and commit like a bank robbery and you're gonna make out with what i mean i don't know what the conversion for is i'm just gonna shoot high to 15 g's mm. just for posterity present day 160,000 yen to usd is a little over 1100 dollars today today oh so one thousand so other sources saying 2000 maybe was they were high rolling that number I don't oh, know if man. it was people, yeah, high rolling and overestimating, or if it was the converting conversion it or whatever. Rate may have changed. I, I don't did know. He, did he walk in with no pockets? I don't understand. <laughs> like, how do you? Well, how, his pockets were full. That's that's the true mystery. How the <laughs> hell do you walk in, mm. do all of that, and then just walk out with like, I don't know, half a month's rent? Like, what? You in a bank? Ain't no one there contesting you. Like, you pulled off some magician stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're just going to walk out with pennies? Right. Well, on top of that, strangely enough, it's not like the bank was dry, which is a current thing. You know, the bank vaults don't hold that much money anymore. It's all digital. But it was confirmed that he strangely left, leaving a lot of the money behind. So to your point, it starts to raise the question as, why was this the case? Is it a conflation between wanting to try some sort of poison on people, wanting money? He has an, a single uncashed check. The motive is really up in the air right now. Here's the thing. Was there a private, like, um, box that he was going after? Like, the, you know, the, oh, like the security are, box like, or something? Like private security box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff in there. I'm sure <gasps> it's super valuable. The heart of the ocean. I'm, I'm just saying it, it could be. You know, people stash diamonds in that yeah, stuff, important yeah. documents, like all kinds of confidential things. My original AF1s. Yeah, what's the AF1? Air Force. Oh. My J's. Damn, you stuffing those in those little boxes. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep it pristine. Hold it. Yeah. You pull it out, it's all crinkled. The, the soul is in half. Yeah. 
I mean, like, but that's true. Maybe, maybe there were safety, you know? safety deposit boxes. That's what they're called. Yeah, yeah. It, like, if he went in there, didn't do the first half, just committed the second half, and then pulled out just that amount of money, maybe he's trying not to like commit like a higher crime. Mm. But uh, like, you already murdered a oh, ton of people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, okay, I'm gonna steal up to this amount because right. over that is a, a class A felony or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, because like in the U.S., like if you steal a certain amount, it hits different levels right. of, of well, crime. Hang on to that question, okay? Because you know this now from the hook, but in the aftermath, everyone's passed out at this point. But in the aftermath, twelve of the sixteen individuals died as a result of whatever this medicine was that they were given. Oh, so it might not have been on purpose? Well, it might not have been on purpose, or maybe it was. I guess what I was coming after was, maybe you're right, maybe there was a threshold monetarily that they wanted to hit, but then when it comes to the people, I start to go, did they know that they were going to do that? Yeah. Or was that an inadvertent overdose? Like, I just wanted to knock them out, and instead they ended up dead. But the liquid was later believed to be cyanide. And so if the person is uh, consciously using cyanide, mm, I feel like you're really committing to the whole killing them thing with cyanide. Yeah. Like that's that's serious stuff right there. Yep. You don't just go, I'm just going to give them a little bit of cyanide to go, make just them go a little sleep. Bit. Like, right. You, yeah, those, those are clear intentions. On top of that, just a, a fun fact, maybe a morbid fact, cyanide smells of almonds. So if you're ever in a situation, I, for God forbid... You know, or like this is present in your life, uh, and you got a mysterious fluid that smells of almonds. Maybe just, maybe just back up. Oh, okay, mysterious. Yeah, that's right. And then it would be fluid. I about to say, I love almonds. You got, you got like a muffin smelling like almonds. <laughs> <I think laughs> are there? Is there not a tiny bit of cyanide in almonds? There's definitely some in apple seeds. But you got to have like tons. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. We we've been microdosing cyanide this whole time. To get stronger. No. That like grown like just get to it, slowly to be immune weaken. to it. No. No. Not like the man who like let himself get bit by snakes until he thought he was immune. No. That was wild. Yeah. That's not how that. Not how toxins work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like almonds do contain a compound. I'm not going to try to pronounce, but it is uh, hydrolyzed to produce cyanide. So oh. there, are, I guess, like trace elements of. Gotcha. That, so that lead to cyanide. Precursors. Precursors. You're yeah, telling me there's some kind word. of like evil scientists out there squeezing almonds to make cyanide? <laughs> Maybe. Oh my god, almond milk. I gotta go tell my partner. No. No. But yeah, anyway, the morbid fact aside, it was believed widely that it was cyanide. However, you have two universities in the area. You have Keio and Tokyo universities both performing autopsies on some of the victims. This is a fact that will come back around to haunt us in the end, but Keio reported that the poison was actually acetone cyanohydrin, whereas Tokyo University found the poison to be potassium cyanide. It's interesting that the two universities came to a different conclusion, and we'll dive into that a little bit in the theories as to why that might have happened, otherwise like leaving on the table the idea of like maybe both were present, or maybe it was a mistaken result in the test, either way, something that we'll come back to. Yeah, I was about to say like it's the good thing that like two different universities are studying it, um, but I was like, that's more room for error. Yeah. And now the error is someone's probably wrong. Someone's probably wrong. And then they cause confusion. Yeah. Now it is well documented that cyanide tends to act immediately, usually within seconds of imbibing. Whereas acetone cyanohydrin is documented as taking a minute or so to take the effect. And so removing ourselves from potential biases and looking at the test results, just going off of the anecdotal experiences of witnesses, it seemed that there was a one dose, a two dose, a minute or so, and then people falling unconscious. And so with that time frame, it leaves kind of the time frame open to cyanohydrin, but also the fact that it was a one, two dose hit, maybe both were somehow used to activate each other. I'm not, I'm not a chemist. I'm not that buff. Task Force, any buff chemistry minds out there, I would be very curious to know any deeper understanding of these two compounds. It's got to be the compound that takes longer, right? Because just based on what we're hearing, I, I would imagine, yeah. I, that's what I would expect it to be. Because then, like, 
You're handing even even if you completely laid oh, out all the teacups. Yeah. You put cyanide in it. Three, two, one. No, drink. yeah, you're not doing like everyone all at once. Like that's that's a stretch. Cause then you're gonna have the first person, especially if you said it's like instant, you're gonna have the first person drink it, and then another person be even like two seconds off, just going, "Oh, that person looks like they're having yeah. issues." The guy at the end of the line's going, "Hold on a second, everyone's on the ground. I don't want this right. medicine anymore." No one's gonna be like, "All right, I guess I'm next." Like it's not right. a cult, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like it, yeah, it have to be the other chemical. That is such that a takes good like observation. a minute or two to activate because everyone. You yeah. can get everyone to take it to drink it within like a minute or two. You'd be like, "Hey, right? The, the faster you drink it, the like the I don't know, it's, it's fresher or whatever it is. Like <laughs> it's like it oxidizes want, quick. You, have it. Yeah, you, know? you don't want it to like settle into the tea. So drink it within the next couple of minutes, and then everyone drinks it, and then boom. Incredible observation. Absolutely. I mean, hold well, on. Then you got me thinking about him going. You need to drink it quick. Don't let it touch your teeth. I'm very oh, curious yeah, as to what that part might be. I forgot about that too. You know what? Maybe that just gives an air of longevity to it. Oh, this isn't going to do any harm in the immediate future because I'm worried about your enamel for the long haul. So you you immediately kind yeah, of it could be just a unconsciously weird, swayed away. You know, because like I mean, even now sitting here, I'm going, oh, what the deal with the okay? I'm, I'm focused on the teeth thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm focused on like okay, how am I gonna? I'm, I'm picturing and envisioning drinking it without it hitting my teeth because that's gonna take that's not just the natural that you gotta think about it yeah and so you're distracted that's that's really interesting and, and a great observation that i want to chew on the survivors the four individuals that did come to they told nhk news a japanese global news organization that they started to feel sick in less than a minute and so that's where we get a little bit more of that timetable understanding but moving on to the investigation this is where things start to get really interesting Police quickly began investigating what became known as the Taegin Incident. The origin of this incident's name is actually a reference to the bank itself, called Teikoku Ginko in Japanese. They circulated a composite image based on the survivor descriptions. We're going to post that visual, as always, on our YouTube video upload, as well as all of our social handles. But there's a small photo of the man as described. And then on this document as well, there's a lot of Japanese writing that Talks about the descriptions of them as well as the description of the handwriting on the card, I believe. Yeah, interesting. Looks like a clean-cut, believable person. Yeah. Now, this is where I want to come back to the check that was stolen. Because what's interesting about that is it can be traced, even in the 40s. So, the stolen check actually was traced, and it was found cashed the next day, January 27th, at a bank in Itabashi. It's another suburb of Tokyo, about four kilometers away. The man was reportedly five foot three, signed their name as Toyoharu Goto, and gave a fake address, of course. The business card the culprit left was no longer at the Imperial Bank, though it's not clear where this card went off to. Many people believe that the poisoner took it with them when they left the bank, basically trying to leave behind less evidence. Mm -hmm. Now, while investigating the crime, it was found that this same thing occurred at two other banks in two other suburbs of Tokyo. Since there were no incidents or deaths, no crimes were reported, but it is believed that these other two instances were rehearsals for this incident, the real crime. So the first incident happened in Ebara in October 14th, 1947. And then the second one happened in Nakai in January 19th, 1948, just one week before the Tegin incident. At the bank in Ebara, the man left a business card saying, quote, Isamu Matsui health and welfare technician, doctor of medicine, Ministry of Health and Welfare Prevention Bureau. The card that was left behind at Nakai said, Ministry of Health and Welfare Engineer, doctor of medicine, Jiro Yamaguchi, Tokyo Quarantine Division. Now, Dr. Yamaguchi, it turns out, did not exist on this second card, but the first card, however, Dr. Matsui was a real person, so the police decided to interview him, but he had an alibi. This is where things start to get so much more intricate than I would have thought. So now we're going we're gonna to do some business card math. So Matsui had purchased 100 total business cards with that exact phrase on it. So you can imagine that whatever was found as evidence was one of these 100. He had eight left in his possession, so we can mark those off as safe. He could not remember which of his patients he had given his business card to, so police ended up interviewing every patient that he had. Wow. Oh, yeah. And they found 62 
of the 92 circulating business cards from these patients. With little documented reasoning, 22 of the other cards were thought to be unrelated to the incident. So police are essentially saying these 22, we're just going to go ahead and say they're not involved in some way, which leaves us with eight remaining business cards in circulation that could possibly identify the culprit. Whoa. I didn't think that like we'd be tracing the doctor's business. Also dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like that you're using an actual business card right. from the do- I mean, then again, I don't know. Maybe you pulled it out of a freaking bowl at a restaurant. Oh, that's you, true. You know what I mean? Like, which is why I'm like thrown by the, again, there's no documented reasoning, but they took 22 of the 100 and for whatever reason said, we don't think these are part of the incident. It could have been a fishbowl incident. I mean, it could have been a fishbowl incident. It could have been like a colleague or, you know what I mean? Someone else that had an aloe. I mean, I don't know. But like, I get it. Mark it down. Try and thin the herd. That's really interesting how elaborate and the route that it took. Like, yeah. I was not, yeah, like you're saying, I would. I was not expecting that at all yeah. whatsoever. Also makes sense that there was a rehearsal. Yep. You know, try it Two out. See what worked. Um, practice your speech, all that kind of stuff. Right. See what will convince people. Maybe yeah. that's how they picked up mm-hmm. new methods to convincing. Now, interestingly enough, now that I'm kind of really looking at this and you had me thinking, you have Ibarra, then you have Nakai, and then you have the actual Hagin incident. Now, the first of these rehearsals, if you will, used the real name, used that real business card. It was the second one where he decided to go with the Jiro Yamaguchi, which was also on the actual crime, the actual incident where people passed. So it seems that one of the elements that they tweaked between incidents or rehearsals was to use a fake name. I'm really curious what made them think to do that and why not start with a fake name to begin with? You know, is there somebody else here, maybe this doctor in particular? Was it their own business card? Was it a colleague of theirs? A patient? What was the time difference between the the first one... The first, second, and third? Great question. So, Ebara was October 14th, 1947. Okay. Nakai was about three months later, January 19th, 1948. Mm-hmm. And then a week later is the actual incident. Right, a week later. Yeah. Just or, to, just to yeah, exactly keep the authorities later. distracted? Maybe. I don't know. Like, they're focusing... Or make it feel like it's a group. Right. Yeah. Just leave them in a different path. Man. Or just, or just kind of go. Maybe they he did the first one and went. I don't really need a legit business card. Just kind of realize that they didn't really care. Right. They and look. So they glance at just, it. And... Yeah. So I can just make one up and be fine. Yeah. Do you think? And this is me just providing levity to try to lighten an otherwise very serious incident. But with regards to the teeth part, you know, in Always Sunny, when they're trying to do the thing where they're measuring their thetones or whatever, and they're holding these two rods. They're like, where do my feet go? And they're like, it doesn't matter where your feet go. Do you think there was somebody in one of those rehearsals that was like, what do I do with my teeth? <laughs> how, should I, how should I have this? What do I do about my teeth? Do I keep them in the way? Do I move them? And, and so he's like, all right, I learned that I just need to have him say, D- just don't touch your teeth then. Just yeah. drink it fast, I guess. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, like, when do you not go to the doctor and ask questions? Yeah. Right? Like, in, if you're presenting this to like 16 people or whatnot, it, Someone's going to have a question. I mean, now, so oh, you, man. You, so you kind of just fine-tune, right? Because this is the thing you have to be obsessed with right. in order to hopefully make it work. And so, yeah, I could totally see a situation where, like, the first the first time they did it, it was like, so how exact? like, how much exactly, or someone's like, I got a little bit on my teeth. Like, is that, <laughs> is that okay? You know I mean? I'm serious. <laughs> I tickled my cavity If weird. I did, I'd ask. I'd be like, I got a little bit on my teeth. Is that bad? Like, what, yeah. like, what does that mean? Like, I wonder... And again, this is for the chemists and the task force. Maybe if there's some sort of interaction with the calcium in the, in the teeth that could, you know, react with whatever was in, whatever agent was in the poison, and that would be able to allow folks to go, oh, well, the corrosion here implies that, you know, whatever. That or, or just having all these details, to your point, is very doctoral. Yeah. So it's either maybe it is a doctor doing this, or it's someone trying to impersonate a doctor, and by having all of these very niche details, it makes people go, Oh, well, that sounds like how a doctor would deliver that. So yeah. don't I mean, think any more about it. Every time you go to doctors, there's always an elaborate explanation and like a, a pros and cons and a do's and don'ts, right? Right. And so it's never just like, just stick this needle in you and squeeze the liquid. There's always a process to right. everything. And so, yeah, I mean, instead of just like, 
here you go. Just drink up. It's like, hey, don't let it touch your teeth. Not a good thing. Maybe you ruin your enamel, whatever the hell. Yeah. Right. And then people just go, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the experience you have with a medical professional. Right. You just go, okay. You've given me the, the instructions. There's instructions. Trust. Yeah. I trust. Yeah. yeah. So coming back to these eight business cards remaining in circulation, one of these eight business cards was traded with a tempera painter, Saramichi Hirasawa, who lived in Otaru, Hokkaido. Hirasawa and Dr. Matsui traded cards on a ferry going to Hokkaido. So Hokkaido is the northern island of Japan, and Otaru is on that island about 1,000 kilometers or 621 miles north of Tokyo. So we're, we're way out of the suburbs at this point. Hirasawa was unable to provide Matsui's card to the police, had no... Al- so let me reiterate. They found one of these eight cards because he had traded it with Dr. Matsui. Yeah. When the police are talking to him, he can't procure that card. He doesn't have it, nor does he have an alibi. And he had recently come across a large sum of money that he couldn't explain. So he was arrested on August 21st, 1948. The only thing that we couldn't find in researching this was regarding this large amount. I was talking to Jillian. I was like, does this amount have anything to do with the amount that was missing from the bank? Is it similar? Is it different? And the only thing she could find was that it was, quote, close to the original amount. So basically suspicious enough. Also, like, how can you not explain it? Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just like, I just, I just found a bunch of money. Right, right. Or just like, I, I don't know, it was accidentally sent to me or left or whatnot. Unless it was obtained in a different illegal way. And right. that way you don't want to say it. To me, that says it was obtained in a legal way. Mm-hmm. Because money, even if it's not an insane amount, that's still a decent amount, mm-hmm. doesn't just enter your life unnoticed. Man, I, I wish it could. Right, it but it doesn't work that does way. Does not. It doesn't. Just, you don't just automatically go. It's not a common thing to go. Oh, I have an extra thousand dollars. Yep. No idea where that came from, and I can't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, that's that's damning evidence right mm-hmm. there, and the fact that you were just unable to provide the card and had no alibi. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I can get not providing the card. I throw the cards away all the sure, time. Sure, sure. But if I'm you don't really the have door throwing the card away. But if they're going, oh, I don't really have an answer for that. I would have been like, well, I probably misplaced it. Or I don't keep business cards. Right, I don't keep business cards. But it's also the 40s. It's a little different. Yeah. Everyone's got to roll the decks in some way. Prob- oh, probably. yeah, true. So, I don't know. It's very fishy. That's why he's arrested. But it, it kind of lays the ground for them to go, well, uh, it seems pretty clear that, you know, you're at least in hot water here. Yeah. Going back to one of the things that we didn't dive into too much. Yeah. Why the hell take a blank check? This ain't no Disney movie. Right. Right? Like, that's traceable. Like, what are you... You're just going to write one bajillion dollars and then a fake address and then walk in with cameras and people seeing your face whatnot and then just go, cash this, please. It's true. Do we have anything, like, as far as the amount that was tried to cash or, like... Because, like, that's a good point. We that just know that it was cashed sense. in. Like, that piece and the, the amount don't quite line up yeah. with someone... That was meticulous enough to rehearse Mm -hmm. and then also like be able to demonstrate like you have to have some this is this person wasn't an idiot right Right. like they drank out of the vial whatever it was or like like, and showed everyone else like that takes like nuance that that, that takes premeditation for sure research like Mm -hmm. and then to make it out with just a, a pocket full of money and a blank check. Right. What? It's very confusing. And when we get to the theories, I'll be very curious to hear how we stitch it together between... There are two major theories here. Okay. I'm about to really open the door on one here, but I think we can kind of take our own personal conjecture and try to relook over, like, all this information. Because I'll, I'll be very curious to hear your thoughts then. But you're, otherwise, you're, you're spot on. Very good questions. I'm seeing one source, so I don't know how... Verifiable okay. it is, but one source that says the check was for 17,405 yen, which is about $125 today. Got it. So not too far off what the original stolen sum was, right? Because it said no. 160,000 that yeah. was that was taken? Yeah. So about 10% of the Oh, the got you. Misheard. Got you. 10% of that. In- interesting. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Now I got now I just got to wonder like if it if there was something to that number, if it turns into a date or something. 
Anyway, so of course, coming back now to Hirasawa, a conflation of events leads him to be arrested on August 21st, 1948. Eventually, Hirasawa confessed to the murders and was sentenced to death in 1950. Though at his trial, I have to say, Hirasawa repeatedly attempted to recant his confession. What? Right. Well, then again, though, when you're facing uh, the uh, end, when you're, when you're, but even before that, mm -hmm. you're in a room with authorities, like, oh, we'll dive into that. You get scared into that. Yeah. There's, they have tactics to try to convince you. Mm -hmm. Like their whole goal is just to be like, we gotta find someone. Yeah. A lot of times they're just like, this, this is enough. So get a way to like get them to confess. Whether right. it's like you gotta take the nice route or the threatening route or. Leading questions to beget answers yeah. that these are, are people that know. like trained to like get people to tell them the truth and yeah. confess things and so. And I mean, I gotta say, I don't want to open up a political topic that I don't know enough about, but I do know that Japan has a very high conviction rate, ninety nine point nine percent. I don't know if it's the Whoa! same in the forties, but it was that number the last I looked it up. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, so it's a high conviction rate. Don't Take that get with in trouble you. over there, <laughs> right? Take it as you will. I'm not trying to imply anything else. That's just a fact I know. So yeah, at trial, he's trying to recant his statements. And we'll dig into more of what you're talking about, and honestly, in the first theory. But Hirosawa remained imprisoned on death row for 32 years until his death in 1987. My God. Yeah. Well, hello there, Task Force. It is the gap in the mystery that I get to bring to you now more than ever. Me and the boys. Boys? Like a ceremonial announcement. We are gathered <laughs> here today. <laughs> it's a nice little break in the tone. I get to talk directly to the task force, the little eardrums about what's going on in Red Web's ethosphere. I'm making up a lot of words today. We have a dwindling supply of our tinfoil hats. They may be gone by the time that you hear this. In fact, there's only, I think, 18 as I last saw it, and that was a couple weeks ago. So, store.roosterteeth.com if you want to get that tinfoil snapback task force hat. And if that's gone, baby, we got you covered. We've got the Squonk summertime pin. It is going like hotcakes. I yeah, it is. I wouldn't eat it like hotcakes, but it, oh, Squonk's looking good with the hotcakes. I so. reiter reiterate again, this community <laughs> and the damn Squonk, yeah. it, it's like, <laughs> like latch on as to one soul It was soul all Jillian. Now. Jillian and, and goes, and this one's me. She this really one's... shouldered that burden yeah. of championing Squonk. Hell yeah. We also have the evidence box, still a couple of those kicking around. A shirt, a black light, no batteries, just for the sake of uh, flying that to you safely. And then it also has another uh, exclusive Task Force International badge inside that. It's a very thematic box around Mothman. It's got newspaper clippings on the shirt and stuff, but also the, the map of Point Pleasant is in the box. It's all very cool stuff. Our merch team is kicking it out of the park. But that is a way to support the show. Another free way. Fredo, hit them with it. How can they support this show? Any way they want. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say here. You can have it your way. I tend to say, just listen to this episode on repeat as you sleep. But Christian says, no, reviews are better. <laughs> yep, took the words right out of my mouth. Well, of course, Christian's going to go with the reviews because that's how Christian's able to stay here with us. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. how I get paid. It's like a we commission them process. Out. Yes, we cut them out. Process. It's 25 cents per review. We give him a yeah. wallet full of reviews. And he goes, ooh, this one's thick today. <laughs> Every week. Whoa. We, we, we got how many reviews today? <laughs> my yeah. goodness. I can eat tonight. But it's nice, though. Those reviews bolster us in the uh, kind of ever-growing algorithmic world we're in. They put us into playlists, top tens and true I crime mean, playlists and what, suggestions. What, like, and we do it, and I'm sure you do too. When you're looking for something, what do you, what do you gravitate towards, right? right. Say Amazon. What is the most reviewed? What's top of that search list? So um, leaving those reviews, very, very helpful. It helps bolster us in that list. Yeah. It helps make people look at it and go, oh, it, it's not just like 10 reviews, right? It's like Thousands of reviews and people go, okay, this is a thing. Like, this is a thing. They like get us. Into this. Yeah. <laughs> they really like us. But it's also a really cool way for us to hear from you guys. One of the various ways we can hear from you. But yeah, and sharing the podcast, of course. But with that said, we have some fantastic sponsors to talk about. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp. Finding balance in life can be very, very difficult. And so can keeping healthy boundaries for yourself. When you spend all your time giving, 
can leave you feeling stretched thin and burned out. But therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting you, you, Fredo, you, Christian. I can keep supporting you guys without leaving myself behind, which is where therapy comes in. I really appreciate BetterHelp's accessibility to therapy. I think therapy is an important tool that anybody can access or should be able to access. Their website makes it super easy. You fill out a super quick questionnaire and it dials in on what your needs are so they can find you a therapist. I appreciate just how easy that website experience is. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the hard hurdles to get into uh, therapy is just like, where do I start? Do I I Google something? It is an overwhelming world to get into. Like, where do I go? Absolutely. Like, what direction? It's like trying to get into dating again, where you just have to find the right therapist for you. It's a process. It's true. Absolutely. And BetterHelp actually helps you, Christian, find a new therapist. And you can switch anytime, no cost, because that's a very important part. Finding somebody that fits you, understands your needs, and everything like that. And if you, Task Force, are thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp is a great option that's easy and accessible. It's done entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient and flexible. I know we all have different schedules. Our work-life balances are all over the place. They're going to work with you and your schedule. All you're going to do is fill out that questionnaire I was talking about, and they'll match you with that licensed therapist. And again, you can always switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RedWeb today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RedWeb. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by Shady Rays. Summer is here and the sun is getting stronger every single day. Man, it is hitting 100 degrees out there right now, Fredo. Uh, we're about to hit the beach where the sun is going to be shining bright. It's beautiful. And I'm going to have my shady rays to keep me nice and mm-hmm. cozy, my eyes. Also, I've been using them a lot because it's summertime and some people have like license plate or like cars oh, that have yeah. chrome oh, on it. Goodness. And it just mm-hmm. hits it's you like, awful, just glare right in your eye. I'm <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I need, give me my shady rays. Like, I can't <laughs> see what I'm driving. Absolutely. I wear the shady rays anytime I'm out. I like the polarized lenses and I also like that they have different styles. So no matter what kind of style I'm going for, if it's my walking style, you know, my athletics, mm-hmm. or if I'm just driving to work, my casuals, they got a style for everything. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Their frames are super durable, and they've got extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Plus, every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. Meaning, if you lose your pair, Fredo, on day one, or Christian, if you're hunting Bigfoot and he stomps them to death, you can get them replaced with a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Exclusively for Task Force, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code REDWEB for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Once again, ShadyRays.com. Use code REDWEB. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Unstable Games. In their newest game, Casting Shadows, you'll enter a dark, enchanting world and battle your opponents in a strategic board game from creators of Unstable Unicorns and Here to Slay. You will choose a character that looks harmless, but throughout the game, you'll collect resources, learn new spells, and summon a companion and unlock your shadow form. Fredo, you and I were playing this not too long ago, actually. We did, and I was one move from taking your life. The and then I went, no. That's true. I he went, spared no, me. you will live for He's, now. He spared me because I was getting rinsed by the, it was four of us playing, and I was just in the middle getting slapped around. But man, you saving me came back around to haunt you. Uh, it did. It very much did. I should have taken his life. That's what I should have done. The game is awesome. Um, I, I hit I my lo- shadow form and I said, Fredo, I'm sorry, but I have to do it to you. It was, it was good. <laughs> I, I, I think I like how everyone kind of like starts off innocent and then you start to build mm-hmm. um, you, you acquire cards and abilities and there's all types. So there's, at that point, a different way and style that you can play the game and the character that particular session as opposed to the next one. And it was a good time. It was really cool uh, because each character has a slightly different play style. They have different areas that is their strength. And uh, I want to play again just so I can see what the different characters play like. I also just love the art style. Oh, it's cool. It's very cute. It's so nice. Yeah, it's so pretty. So Casting Shadows has raised over $4 million on Kickstarter. And it was fully funded in just, can you guess? A day. 26 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Damn! Yeah. 
More than 36,000 fans helped fund this immersive new board game. Spend some time choosing a character to represent you and look at that shadow form that you will unlock. You can find Casting Shadows at unstablegames.com and Target right now. And starting in July, you'll be able to find them at your local game store and on Amazon. Head to the link in the description to learn more about where you can get Casting Shadows. With that said, let's get right back into the mystery. So that's where the theories come in. I'm just, I just want to dive right into it. Yeah. The first one being that Hirasawa was innocent. And we'll talk about the why of all of that. It doesn't necessarily replace it with another guilty party. That's the biggest mystery yet is mm. if it's not Hirasawa, who could it be? What's the motive? And that's where theory number two starts to step in and try to fill the gap. So let's, let's begin. Even after his death, there have been repeated attempts for a retrial for Hirasawa. Many believe that he is innocent and was forced into a confession, which Hirasawa himself also claimed. That's something that you were kind of anticipating. At the time of the crime, a person's confession was considered the ultimate source of evidence, though there are a few inconsistencies worth noting. In his confession, Hirasawa told police that he carried the poison in a beer bottle and poured it into victims' cups. Subtle differences there. Hmm. In reality, as we as we discussed, the poison was contained in a jar and using a pipette was piped into teacups. Specifically, in his testimony, he used the word kapu, which is the word for glass rather than a teacup. A minor distinction, but something that you can imagine would blow up a case nowadays when you have like these minor inconsistencies. But again, at the time, confessions were everything. Hirasawa had no knowledge of poisons and had no background in this arena, nor could he explain how he would have attained these poisons, which is another interesting note. A wrinkle on all of this, not to say that it becomes his fault once again, but it does muddy the waters as far as what is truth, what is real here, is that Hirasawa also reportedly had Korsakov's syndrome. This is a memory disorder caused by vitamin B deficiency and excessive alcohol. People with Korsakov syndrome have irregular gaps in their memories and often create stories or potentially lie in order to compensate for these gaps. So you can imagine if Hirasawa has this syndrome, it can create some either inconsistencies or uncertainties in not only their testimony, but also uh, their reflection on the testimony when they tried to recant. But I mean... If that is like literally what he medically has, mm -hmm. well, that's why he can't explain the money or the card. Like, so he has like a medical excuse. Right. That's a good point. Right. Cause it's like, how do you not know? Like, that was the big thing. How the hell do you have money and not know where it came from? Yeah. Well, it's like you have a, a medical condition, like just straight up, boom, there. Yeah. Maybe the police didn't know it at the time. And so they said, well, this is all way too fishy for us. You're going to come with us. But also, how does he not know that he has his medical condition or at least be able to, I mean, I, I would think you're at least, at least conscious enough to say like, Hey, I have gaps in my memory. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, like I, I, I'd be like, that's just something that happens to me. So I have no idea where I got the money. Yeah. I have no idea where I was during that time. This is something that happens to me. Can we like, can we go see a doctor? Right. Just to just double check that that's something that I have or anything like. It's a great point. And there's two angles here. One of which is agnostic to that. The police are saying we got a confession. That's the highest form of evidence. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're taking it. But then on the other end, I have in my notes here, it does say reportedly had Korsakoff's syndrome. And so. That's true. Christian, I'd be very curious if this was something that he himself knew about was open with or if it was something that after all this went down was then diagnosed with i don't you know i don't know i'm having trouble finding whether or not he definitively had korsakoff syndrome he's saying that he did and he says that he had it as a result of rabies inoculation oh that's all i'm really finding so it's becoming basically just a ripple that is creating more complexities more complications than it's it's, it's an obfuscation whether intentional or otherwise i guess as yeah. to what maybe went down yeah some sources say that he claims to have it some sources say that he definitively had it mm. so I, I don't know that's one of the things with this case in particular it seems is that as as we've come to become yeah. acquainted with is that a lot of historical sources become either flimsy or just don't document in the way that you would have hoped they would 
Or at the time, the case is, ah, this is clear-cut, why really report it, like, to the detail? Well, now we know. Okay, well, with that kind of discussed, we have eyewitnesses. We have upward of 40 eyewitnesses from these two so-called rehearsals in the actual crime. And it's worth noting that only two out of the 40 witnesses identified Hirosawa as the criminal in a lineup. And reportedly... Wait. Go ahead. What? Two out of the four, I mean, yeah. He was like, at, le- at least that's, unless that's detail that we left out, to my knowledge, he walked in with his face. Yeah. Howard, he got 40 people that seen this person's face, only two people can be like, that was the guy. I'll, I'll say this. It, I, we don't unless know like the exact- defense lawyers did a really good job. Yeah. You know, or as we heard in a previous case, you shave your beard and grow out your hair and you're a different person now. Yeah, that, damn. Got away with that Pop-Tart theft, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let anyone know. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And uh, there is the sketch drawing from the witnesses. Now, I do want to say that if they passed out at the scene, who knows about the rehearsals, but if they're all passing out, Maybe that creates a, a hazy memory, so they were not worried about people seeing their face. Oh, man, I yeah. feel like I would know the face of a person that's handing me something at the very least. Yeah. Well, two out of 40, that's 5% of the 40 witnesses identified Hirosawa. But even then, those two were reportedly uncertain about their choice. I'm almost feeling like there's a certain degree, like a, a one or two degree of removal here that I'll kind of get into once we talk about the second theory. And maybe why somebody was willing to show their face, because they're like, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to point back to me, and I'll be a ghost in the wind very quickly. Yeah. You know? It was also pointed out, by the way, that Hirosawa does not resemble the composite sketch, just for what it's worth. Oh! Composite sketch developed from these 40 eyewitnesses. Now, the only clear evidence pointing to Hirosawa was the missing business card, which at the end of the day, you made a point that you could have lost it, thrown it away, given it to somebody as a doctor recommendation, or or lost in, in the wind. Who knows? But with regard to this, he claimed that he had been pickpocketed the day before the crime, which seems like a much was more specific reported? reason. To the authorities? I don't know when, but it was public knowledge that he had claimed that he was pickpocketed the day before the crime, and that is when the card was taken. Was it public knowledge before? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but yeah. let me see if I can find it. It is, it is hard to believe and you're just like, look, I was pickpocketed yeah. before all this comes down on your head. And then the person who's a pickpocket just happens to know, like, you got the business card I need. And then after that incident, they go, I'm just going to make up a business card, you know? All right. So while you look that up, I want to talk about a novelist, Seicho Matsumoto, who believes that Hirosawa refused to explain where the money came from because he was selling erotic art as a side business and did not want to tarnish his reputation. Basically saying that there was reason for it, but he just didn't want to forthcoming. Oh no, I don't care how embarrassing <laughs> it is that you're selling art of you like just pulling your cheeks open, oh, painting your butthole like a wallflower, bro. <laughs> oh, if that means you're man. going to jail for <laughs> and you're getting the death penalty, God. you better just start showing all these pictures, man. Right. You better like you better pull, dump the portfolio. Pull out that Rolodex of all the Right, all the accounts and everything like that, dude. Like, hell no, man. It's you tell me you're so embarrassed. I can't keep a business card, but let me show you what I do got. Right, (laughs) I'm like, look, this is embarrassing, officer, but this is where I got the money. Mm -hmm. Well, Matsumoto had included this in his 1959 and 1960 novels, a story of the Teikoku Bank incident and black fog over Japan. There have been 18 attempts for a retrial, and every attempt. Had been denied. Of course, we know he passed away in jail, and we'll probably never know his involvement as heavy or as light as it might have been. We yeah, don't I mean, know. with an well, you got a high conviction rate. You don't want to reopen cases and then start lo- pulling out the statistics of like how inaccurate that could be. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which ain't no way it's that accurate. Hell no. I mean, that's the thing, and this is why I didn't want to crack it open too far, but. But there are opinions out there that, you know, if you do get falsely arrested and the conviction rate is that high and they don't want to tarnish that reputation, it creates a real big wrinkle. But it's also a big what if. You never, I mean, not never, but 
oftentimes it's very hard to prove if someone was falsely convicted or not. Yeah. And it becomes a big rigmarole. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. But I just, there's, there's too much lack of evidence because you're not going to have a mountain of evidence for every case. So there is going to be a ton of cases that have a lack of evidence. And I'll say and this. And this human error, man. Ain't no way us humans are 99.9% right. accurate right. with that. 100%, yeah. I mean, how? It's just because we're a movie podcast. Look at Minority Report. All right, they thought they had that on lock. Dude, it's they been a pre- minute since we dropped a hard film. Yeah, they have precogs. <laughs> and then they come to find out, Tom Cruise like, wait, what? What do you, you mean can- that's not accurate? Right. How many people have, like, mm-hmm. chased down? In this like new future place, and he's out running jetpackers and yeah. jumping from car to car. It was I'm wild, just, you know. I watched that just... again recently. Oh, really? Was, yeah. What? There's a lot of J.J. Abrams lens flares, and he wasn't a even lot. involved with the project. <laughs> There's a lot. It was a no. Nah, it's cool. It's a fresh film. I I loved the game too because it was one of the first to implement ragdoll physics. When you oh, and the vomit gun. Oh man, good times. I rented that so many times. My mom was like, "Why don't you just buy the game?" I was like, "Nah, ma." Gotta rent it. Three day? Three day? That's a long weekend. <laughs> I never know anyone that's rented Minority Port the game. Well, played it, let alone rented it multiple times. Yeah, man. I gotta, well, how else Star am I gonna Fox, beat it? Okay? That's an, like an actual game, not Minority Report. <laughs> All right. Could not find anything that explicitly stated whether or not he reported the pickpocketing before or after okay. he was convicted. Hmm. Though we do not know when he said it. Most likely, it's probably after. Mm. If they were smart, I mean, even then, like, you got pit-pocketed or, like, you get into an accident or whatever. It's, like, one of those things where just, like, I'll give myself 24 hours to just, like, deal, like, mentally deal with it and the repercussions of all that. And I'll report it and do the rigmarole thing. Well, it's also, like, the purpose of you asking the question of when that was reported. If you couldn't explain where the card went, but then later on, he's like, well, I was pickpocketed. Why right. would, uh, yeah, sure, the yeah. art thing is an excuse for one part of it, but right. what, what about the business card? That's true. You're you embarrassed know? about getting pickpocketed? Yeah. Or? Hmm. All right. Theory number two. God, I'm excited. Okay, so many believe that Hirasawa was not the culprit, but that it was likely someone from Japan's Unit 731. I had never heard about this, so I'm, I'm eager to kind of expand on this. The theory was proposed by Matsumoto in his aforementioned novel on the incident. So Unit 731 was a secret research program for biological weapons and human experiments active from 1936 to 1945. As terrible as these things are, I'm so morbidly fascinated by these mid-century government experiments on mind control, bioweapons, like heinous stuff at the end of the day. But I'm just flabbergasted at how much was going down during these times. So... It is believed that from this time period, again, 1936 to 1945, that their inhumane experiments led to the estimated death toll, unfortunately, of somewhere between 200,000 and 300,000 people. Whoa. They're just randomly experimenting? I don't know much about the the details of it. If it it was like on prisoners or other Mm, entrapped individuals or volunteers in some way, I don't know. But historically, it's usually been like prisoners or something. Yeah. I do want to give a warning before we get too far away from it. Task Force, I know a lot of you like to actively investigate. I will give a content warning. You look up Unit 731, there's a lot of graphic imagery. Clearly, their experiments were very tragic and very graphic. So be mindful as you kind of approach that topic if you decide to. Now, in 1948, it would have been difficult for the average person to obtain cyanide, though not impossible. Furthermore, research from KEO University before the arrest shows that the victims may not have been given cyanide based on their symptoms. Remember, this is that distinction between Tokyo and Keio. So acetone cyanohydrin was produced and tested by a branch of Unit 731. In 1948, Unit 731 was actually the only source for this compound. Only a member from this group could have obtained it. So the fact that Keio is coming out with like autopsy reports showing this compound seems to heavily implicate this agency or somebody from this agency. Right. According to the book Unit 731 Testimony, Shiru Ishii, the head of Unit 731, told American military interrogators his opinion on the Tegin incident. Quote, I have a feeling that one of my men did it. This is the head of 731. Oh. Yeah. Now, I want to dive into, because, I mean, there's not much else to go on in this particular theory, 
And we'll kind of throw our conjectures around here at the end, but there's one last thing here regarding Tokyo University and why perhaps the two autopsy reports were different. So some believe that the government and the police use Hirasawa as a scapegoat to cover up the crimes of Unit 731 and that Tokyo University may have provided incorrect results. This isn't out of the question because it's been documented that Japan and the U.S. covered up the crimes of former members and then let them go free after the end of World War II. In return for this, the U.S. would receive information and research on biological weapons. So basically saying the two governments were in cahoots to do some nefarious deeds. Yeah. Would swap some data. And shake then, dirty hands. Right. And then people would become, unfortunately, the pawns of these actions. As far as Tokyo University's test results, many note that they released the findings after the arrest, and that many high-ranking politicians and government officials had graduated from Tokyo University, implying that perhaps there were connections there to pull on to make a request. Maybe, dare I say, coerce even somebody to come up with a different test result than KEO. Disgusting. But that's all theoretical. Yeah, it's all theoretical, but... So there's a lot of strings attached to other strings. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's big what-ifs, admittedly. Yeah. But it's, it's what-ifs that make some sense and kind of connect. And so part of me is wondering now, because that's kind of the end of the notes, the end of the Teigin incident information. But part of me is wondering if Hirasawa, in his kind of run-in with Dr. Matsui, wasn't almost targeted to be implicated, right, with this card handoff. Maybe. I'm not I'm not saying that's what it was. Clearly him being a scapegoat is a theory, but I also wonder if this was multiple layers. Like some people involved with this group somehow implicating people on the outside of this group or coercing people in some way. You know, that's taking at face value what Hirasawa is trying to say with like, well, I didn't want to be forthright about my exotic art. I, I don't know. It's... Yeah, so it's, it starts I mean, to get really muddy, you know, with, with secret government agencies. Right. Everything is done in the shadows and whatnot. But I mean, very interesting that it kind of like dives into that realm where it's like, that's the thing too. Like when, you, when we first mentioned the universities and how one had a different result than the other. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if that's like a government involved mm-hmm. type of thing. Lo and behold, one of the theories. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. I don't, even if, he was innocent. Unfortunately, just there wasn't a lot that like really shined a innocent light on him. Yeah, like there was just a lot. It wasn't of, clear cut either all way. All of it was so muddy. Yeah, and 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 just felt like I mean, you know, this is obviously with hindsight. It just it's so muddy, and it seemed like it just wasn't necessary to be that much in the gray area. Yeah. Now, this will fly counter to the idea that Hirosawa didn't look like the composite sketch, nor was he identified but by two people who even then were kind of iffy. You're right. On the, but beyond that, my brain, as we were researching it, kind of wanted to go with like, well, what if Unit 731 was trying to test a compound publicly or a nefarious individual from that sinister group decided to pull off a low tier but violent heist and maybe somehow Hirosawa was still involved because, again, this is not, this is kind of throwing his own reasoning into, into question with the exotic art and everything. But like when I started hearing about him not being able to answer for the money or the business card and things, I start going, was it because he knew about something? Did that money come to him because of the deed? Like he didn't do the incident, like he didn't perpetuate the incident, but he was the benefactor, if that makes sense. Like someone he knew. So basically he's like, I can't tell you how I got the money because it was the incident, but I didn't do the incident. So I'm kind of in a bad way, but also I'm not the bad guy. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what my brain wanted to connect. When you're literally being faced with like going down for the whole thing and death row is attached to that. Yeah. You start saying, all right, it was him. It was them. It was us talking, man. Yeah. You're just like, look, I'll probably do a handful of the decades or something like that but like at least i'm not gonna be there for the rest of my life and get the death penalty well what about this and again all spitball all total personal conjecture task force but what also then again i've also seen a lot of films but what if there was some pressure applied where sure he's like i'm being the fall guy but i've got regrets about being the fall guy but i also don't want to say too much more to implicate others because my family's out there this 
this these people behind this act clearly don't have any conscience and could go after them. You know what I mean? Like, True. Then why it's the, really complicated to like. It's, it's I mean, just so why, why at the end be like it wasn't me? It wasn't me. Why? Like I retract my statement. Why at that point be yeah. like I did it for my family? I don't know. I saved my very fa- like, very good pe- like, question. I'd be like, wasn't me to my family, or even then, I wouldn't say anything if it was the yeah. whole. It's like if I know my family was at any point in time could have been wiped out, I'd say nothing. Yeah, I don't want to accept business cards anymore. I'll be honest. If like even like even a text nowadays could mm. could somehow implicate you in this wild web of conspiracy somewhere. I I'm mean, just like I gotta be. You gotta be careful about who you you know interact with. Fortunately or unfortunately for me, I'm I'm. You track me everywhere. Yeah, that's true. You, you got alibis I mean? on. Uh, like, I'm I'm, I'm shooting content here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm home live shooting right. content there, and then sleeping, and, and then and then sleeping. Even yeah. then, I got cameras all over my damn house. Right. You 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 could see exactly where my car goes. It has its own tracking system and everything like that. Like you. You know where I'm at at all times. You know what I'm saying? It's true. 1984 in here. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But yep. this has been the Taging Incident. Another fascinating one. That was one. a real good one. Another fascinating case out of Japan, honestly. like Yeah, um, the one that stuck with me. Remember the um, the one where they pulled the cop, where they pulled over, and then they pulled over the, uh, the van on the side of the road. It was like a bike cop or something like that. I forgot that mystery. Oh. It was the 300 million yen robbery one. Yes. Right. The 300 million yen robbery. A little bit bigger than this one. Yeah. You know, might buy a more than a, what do you say, a half month's rent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. All right. Well, Fredo, Christian, Task Force, we'll see you all right back here next Monday for yet another mystery. And if you want to support us, as always, feel free to share the podcast with a friend of yours. Grow that task force. Create the community you want to see and engage with. I love hearing everybody on uh, whether it be fan-created discords, the subreddit, our Twitter page, Instagram, mm-hmm. and uh, the YouTube comments everywhere, kind of sharing your expertise, your knowledge, your theories. I love to see that. But yeah, next Monday, see you there.